Well, if you hear that inspiring music, that means you're at another episode of Your Money in 20, the podcast by Woodward Financial Advisors. And we are happy to be back after a little while since we've recorded our last episode. So we're here today to talk about inflation, which is on many folks' minds lately, especially. But first, I want to introduce myself. So I'm Victor Colella, Certified Financial Planner Advisor here at Woodward Financial Advisors. And I'm joined by Joe Marks, also a CFP and advisor here. Hi, Victor. Good to see you. Likewise. So, Joe, we're talking about inflation, and, and I want to get right into it. But before I do, we have to do our obligatory disclaimer, which is nothing that we talk about here today is meant to be financial advice. So this is for educational purposes only. And if you're looking for advice specific to your situation, please do go to your professionals in your life, your CPA, your accountant, your state attorney, or your advisor, because they're the only ones suited to give you that advice. Having said that, why are we talking about inflation? Well, Joe, I pulled a few headlines before we started talking that I thought were uh, illustrative of, of a lot of the questions we're getting from our clients. And and I'll just throw a few of them out there. So we have spikes in June, the fastest pace in 13 years. So I also saw Americans are paying more for pretty much everything. Is it here to stay? And then sort of on the other side of it, these inflation figures are grossly inflated. Here's how. So the media is certainly thinking and talking about inflation for the first time in a while, but maybe not, not really consensus on what all of that means. So maybe we'll be able to sort through some of that. Um, so in our conversation today, our goal, we're going to sort of take you through a journey around inflation, starting with sort of defining it, talking about what it is, how it, uh, how it materializes in our economy, in our lives. Maybe think about why it's here after not being here for some time and, you know, will it stay? And then we'll talk about maybe the impacts that it may have for you, your portfolio companies, and leave you with a few thoughts in terms of recommendations on what you can do. So, Joe, why don't you take it away? Could you define inflation, talk about maybe why it's here? Start there. Yeah, happy to do that. Um, so we'll just sort of set the stage here. Inflation is the ever-increasing cost of goods and services. So that's going to the barber and paying more for your haircut. That's going to the grocery store and paying more for a loaf of bread, a gallon of milk, whatever it might be. So I'll add to your uh, news headlines with just a few data points I think will uh, be helpful for us. So these are recent numbers. Um, this is government reported data that they, they produce every month. Um, core CPI, that's the core consumer price index. It's an often used, oft quoted um, metric. That was up 3.8% um, over the last year. And then sort of the, the sister metric to this is core PPI. That's the producer price index. So that's what companies and producers pay. So that's up 5.3% over the last year. So those are two additional data points. Now, just to give some context, you know, historically over the last century or so, inflation is running <clears throat> around 3%. Now, in the last decade or so, that number is much lower, closer to 2%. Um, so that just gives a, a little context. One additional data point, uh, this is more anecdotal, but uh, labor inflation. So that's the cost to uh, pay workers. Um, we don't have any official data for that, but just anecdotally, companies are uh, having to pay a little bit more 
um, to get to get employees to stay or to hire new employees. And that makes sense. You know, if the cost of things are going up, it, it makes some sense that folks get paid more, which is not always the case, right? So that's I know our our federal government and the Fed looks at that for that reason. Uh, but Joe, it's worth it's worth mentioning. So you you mentioned consumer price index. I always heard this explained in a way that was helpful for me as a basket of goods. So, so the government is looking at this same constant basket of goods, relatively constant over time and saying, you know, maybe eggs are in there, maybe, uh, you know, any number of things that you're buying related to your household. And over time that goes up and it's translated into this index, which is quoted so much. So I don't know, that helps me at least. So, Joe, I'll I'll take us into the next bit. So why is inflation spiking now after so long of of not? Yeah, so uh, I think a couple things. Um, There's certainly the the government's role in this via monetary stimulus, uh, fiscal stimulus, uh, tax credits, uh, stimulus payments, all all those things. there's also been in the last year, and I think we've all sort of felt this, there's been this, you know, people were able to save more uh, and there's a lot of pent up demand out there. Um, so that is causing uh, some sort of pressure. Um, at the same time, on the supply side, you know, folks haven't been able to get to factories uh, to have the same amount of supply out there. So you have this increasing demand and you have less supply. And those are conditions that typically lead to inflation. That's one thing that's it's made the pandemic that we've all been sort of faced with over the past year and a half. What's made it unique is that supply, so the constricted supply, because factories can't make as much. And if anyone's tried to build anything with lumber, buy a car, sell, you know, buy a house, uh, anything like that, I know I'm feeling this in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and I think the data shows that it's it's much more than just here. It's all over the country. That's right. So, and it's worth not to cast doubt on anything that you just said, Joe, but we're historically really bad at explaining inflation, or we would be better at predicting it. Uh, so so it, it's worth saying, so the, the Federal Reserve Bank, one of their charges is to control inflation. Well, they've been expecting inflation to be one thing and being pretty wrong about it in certainly the last decade has been lower than expected. And now it's, it's maybe higher than, than expected, but we're, we're not good. It's a very complicated system that inflation comes out of. So we're not good at predicting what's going to happen next. But our third question was, will it stick around? Will it stay? The answer is we don't know, but the, but there is one thing that we do know is that historically inflation has followed this pattern of being persistent. So we may not know what's going to happen with inflation. And there are these spikes that come out of things like a pandemic historically. But we do know that once it spikes, it tends to stay high for higher, relatively speaking, for a period of time. So put another way, last month in last month's inflation tends to be a pretty good predictor of next month's inflation, if that makes sense. 
So we don't know whether that's going to be the case here or not, but it's possible. And it's something that historically has, has been a pattern that uh, when inflation is high or low, it stays high or low for a period of time. Does that make sense, Joe? Sure does. So Joe, why don't you talk about our, our next item, which was how does this impact companies, maybe your portfolio, which is made up often of companies and, and other investment vehicles. So what, what are the potential impacts other than my bank account being a little lower at the end of the month? Right. Because, um, yeah, so I think the main thing is input costs for companies goes up. So if it costs you, whether you're using raw materials or you're using how, whatever labor source you're using, if those things are more expensive, that has the potential to reduce your profits. Um, so you could potentially get get pinched there. Um, another factor could be that if we do get this increased inflation, if it hangs around, general interest rates might also go up. Um, if you're a younger company or you're a company that's borrowing capital to to grow your firm, you're going to have to pay more now um, for your money. So the the potential impact is just that your profits are going to potentially go down. Um, now, having said all that, companies are pretty resilient. And uh, not only do most companies have some amount of pricing power, uh, they can pass these additional these new costs onto consumers. So, um, you know, as a consumer, it might not be great because you go to the store, you're paying more. But as an owner of equities, owner of companies, you're sort of on the other side. So you benefit from a company passing along costs to the consumers. Right. And, and companies are innovative, uh, right? One, one option is to pass along costs to the consumers. Another option is to sort of work to be more efficient. And some companies will take that path and I mean, their focus is maximizing profits. So, you know, if things get more expensive, that's just one input. So there isn't really a clear line uh, between, you know, more inflation means this for, for companies and correspondingly their stock prices, which make up many of the investments that I know a lot of folks would own. So a lot of, a, a lot of question marks still, I mean, we're, we're trying to explain inflation and a lot of it is just logical, but we're not very good at predicting it or explaining it when maybe explaining it in reverse is easier to do, but, but looking forward, it's harder to, to predict. So our last stop here in a place where I know Joe and I wanted to spend some time is what should I, what should I do? We want to leave folks who are listening with, you know, some either peace of mind or some actions they can take. And I was reading an interview recently from, uh, a couple of folks in the industry. And one of them basically was saying that predicting inflation is a fool's errand, like we've spoken about. But that doesn't mean you can't be prepared for a variety of different future scenarios, outcomes. And, and that's really the approach that we take with our clients and that we recommend folks take. And so how, how do you set yourself up so that you're prepared if inflation does persist? Or if it doesn't persist or, or, you know, either really side of that spectrum. And we point to a few things. So we point to, so when we look at our clients' portfolios, there are 
a lot of different asset classes, diversification is of course always important. And that's one reason diversification is important is because stocks may not be reacting to inflation the same way that bonds are. U.S. stocks may not be reacting the same way as foreign stocks. So we're talking about U.S. inflation. If you own all U.S. stocks, then all you care about is U.S. inflation. But if you're diversified, you spread out some of those impacts. Um, And there are a few specific asset classes that we point to, which are designed specifically or have the effect of being a hedge, in a sense, to inflation. So... I'll I'll take two of them and then Joe you talk you can talk about the the grand finale which is stocks in general but treasury inflation protected securities or tips some of you may have heard of these and basically this is a government bond so it's a government bond instrument that is specifically tied to CPI which Joe was talking about earlier consumer price index which is a measure of inflation and it basically if inflation surprises us and spikes, sort of like it has recently, your returns are adjusted to compensate for inflation without getting into too much of the, the nitty-gritty of how that works. So Treasury inflation-protected securities. We own tips often in portfolios, whether inflation is high or not. This is always part of that diversification conversation. We're not buying them up now because inflation is, is spiking. It's something that is always there just in case it does. A second asset class that I'll point to is real estate. Now, now we many of us own real estate in the form of our homes, of course, but real estate also could be in the in, in the form of investment real estate, whether that's you physically own the property yourself or whether you own something like real estate investment trusts or REITs, which can be ETFs or mutual funds, so you can own sort of a big pile of diversified real estate. And real estate, you've probably heard, is a good hedge to inflation because when prices of things go up, often so does rent and so does you know home prices. And I think anyone who's been on the real estate market in the last year or so has felt this in a big, big way, uh, at least in the residential side of things. So those are just a couple of asset classes that are very specifically suited to help sort of combat high inflation when it happens. Uh, Joe, I'm going to take a break. I, we talk about those two sort of off to the side, but the biggest inflation hedge is stocks. It is. And uh, it's been a reliable way to combat inflation over the last hundred years through different sort of inflation regimes, uh, mid-level, high-level, low-level. Uh, they always seem to come out um, ahead. And, and part of that we, we talked about earlier, which is companies are going to adjust to whatever inflationary environment uh, they're in. They're going to get more innovative. They're going to do things on the financing side. Uh, they're going to be able to pass along costs uh, to consumers. So at the end of the day, that's still the best way um, to stave off uh, in inflation. Uh, you know, it might take a little bit of time for these companies to adjust. Um, but on the aggregate, uh, they they do adjust, and um, they're able to more than more than offset the, uh, the the situation with inflation. Yeah, and I'll I'll mention so when we're talking to clients about their financial plans, so their goals, their retirement plan, all of that. 
know, a lot of folks think about risk and they think, okay, it's the risk of volatility. So the risk that my investments are going to go up and down by large, you know, leaps and bounds, sort of like we saw in March of 2020 in April. But often what we're talking about is the cost that, or the risk that things just get so expensive that your portfolio can't keep pace with, or, or your income sources like social security, which is also indexed somewhat to inflation. So it gets increased for cost of living increases, but uh, that's why we own stock. So the, the old notion that you get more conservative and more conservative and more conservative as you get older is true to an extent, but very rarely would we ever recommend that someone stop owning stocks in their portfolio because they think they have enough to retire and they want to take all that risk away. But uh, really owning stocks over, you know, hopefully a long retirement uh, for, for the life expectancies that we see out there these days, it's really important. And it's, and it's something that, uh, you know, it's, it's your biggest tool in the toolbox to combat that over your lifetime. So, um, so in short, you know, just to summarize the, what should I do? Well, it depends if you're, if you're all in, uh, you know, if you're not diversified, get diversified. Uh, think about, you know, the amount of stocks that you're comfortable from a risk tolerance perspective owning. You know, this stuff is, is very individualized, which is why we say this is not meant to be advice, just to give you some stuff to think about. But, you know, that diversification is important. And realizing that just because inflation is high doesn't mean you need to take action per se. Uh, you need to make sure that you're prepared for no matter what inflation does and then stay in your seat like we've talked about so many times and sort of watch it unfold knowing that you've prepared for whatever happens. Joe, anything else to add or do you think that pretty much sums it up? I think we're good, Vic. Um, it's been nice being on here and I look forward to our next episode. Yeah, likewise. And, and having said that, we really like suggestions when they come from either our clients or from listeners. So if you want to find us and leave us a suggestion or a comment, I'll, I'll name a few places you can do that. So you can email us at podcast at woodwardadvisors.com. You can go to our website, so woodwardadvisors.com, and there is a contact us box there. You could put podcast in the subject line, and we will certainly get that message and respond to you. Also, while you're there, take a look at some of the other content we produce, uh, as well as you know, you have an opportunity if you want to set up some time to talk with one of us more specifically, we can do that too. We're also on social media, and wherever you listen to this podcast, leave us a review. That really helps us and gets sort of our content out to more folks, uh, so we'd love to hear from you. Having said that, it's been a pleasure, you know recording an episode again after a while. And again, we're looking forward to some suggestions so we can continue to deliver stuff that's important to you. Thank you.